Yes, we're live. <laughs> Welcome Ooh. back to another episode of No Notes. No I'm JD. And I'm Morgan. And today, if you didn't look at the title of the episode already, we're going to be talking about the year in film that was in 2022. This is a movie podcast. We love movies. And so we just want to talk about all of the great movies that we saw over the last calendar year. And so we have a couple different superlatives and different categories that we're going to go through. Uh, to, discuss, to discuss really just like what was great about this year in movies. But first, Morgan, I just want to ask general thoughts, opinions on the year in film that was 2022. It was so good. Such a good start to... Um, I remember like in January, I was like, this is the greatest year ever <laughs> for movies. And then it like kept getting better, but then... Um, I was, you know, busy and got married and like missed out on all the good stuff at the end. So there is a lot I did not get to see, but I think I saw enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like in, at the beginning of this year, me and one of our friends, Eli, we both got AMC A-list memberships and like pretty much every weekend we would just go to the movie or like on like random weeknights. We were trying to see like a movie every week. And so I've seen some like almost 50 movies that came out in 2022 which is like a stupid amount um and yeah there were some great ones especially at the end and you have good excuse for missing them um, yeah because i also just got really into tv shows which always gets me i'll get really good i'm like watching every movie that comes out and then i start one tv show and it's just like out the door yeah. <laughs> which i did a lot this year because they're easier but See, to me, movies are actually easier because, yeah. you know, like TV shows, they're like 10 episodes for a season. They require a lot more investment. They're shorter bursts, but it's a lot more story overall. Mm -hmm. A movie, I can get in and out in like three hours, even if I split it up over two watching periods, which yeah. I do a lot. Um, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Unless you're watching Avatar. Unless you're watching Avatar. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. If you haven't listened to our last episode about Avatar, The Way of Water yet, um, you should go listen to that. <laughs> nice plug. So, we are going to be going through 10 superlatives that are going to recap the year from our perspective. And the first one that we're going to talk about is the best movie of 2022. So, Morgan, what is your pick for the best movie of the year? All right, mine's the obvious pick. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, there we go. Did you, you also have that one? I did not. I have oh, a okay, different... Okay. Then I I'll a, give the spiel. I different, <laughs> this movie, so. Um... I think it's the best movie ever made, probably, I guess, is uh, wow. all I have to say about it. <laughs> I think, like, on top of it just being really original and unique and beautiful and fast-paced, which is right up my alley and just crazy, um, I also just, like, connected to it. I feel like a lot of people did, just the, the like, little oomph of, like, love and family and you know everything that that movie was about like just was like the cherry on top like it was perfect outside of that and then it also made me cry and I it was just like over the top it was so adorable I just oh I love yeah. it so much. I've only seen it once I only watched it in theaters that day and then really? I every every day since I'm like I need to watch everything <laughs> all at once again it's um, it's yeah. so overwhelming I feel like I didn't fully appreciate it until I saw it the second time. And I completely agree with you. 
that it's it's so heartfelt, it's so creative and bizarre and weird and gut-wrenching and mm. funny, like Rakakuni. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I, I forgot was, about that <laughs> I was dying. Like, she mentions, you think she's just misquoting Ratatouille, and then it turns out, no, like, it actually Literally exists is. in another universe. Of course yeah. it does. Um, never in my life have I seen such a creative movie. And yeah. Yeah. Then they, I don't know if they fully pulled it off, in my opinion, but Ooh. I think that they got close enough to where I feel, like, great about it being yeah. one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. I think whatever they slightly missed on, it was, like, the story and just the family aspect just sent it over the edge. Yeah. I agree. My pick for best movie of the year is Nope. Oh. Yes. Wow. And as much as I loved Everything Everywhere and a couple other movies that we'll probably get a chance to talk about later, no movie left me as emotionally... (laughs) <laughs> invested maybe as nope no movie caused me to think more than nope no movie challenged me visually like as much as nope like this weird like sci-fi premise from jordan peele <laughs> about a brother and sister trying to capture footage of a ufo is a microcosm of like a story about like exploitation and tragedy and about you know, how, like, Hollywood kind of chews up and spits out people and abuses them in some ways. Literally. And about how human beings are so obsessed with tragedy that we often ignore the human part of it. Like, there are so many different compelling ideas presented in Nope, and I think all of them are presented in a really interesting way. Uh, Plus, you get awesome acting performances from Daniel Kaluuya and especially Kiki Palmer, Mm. who, if I was in charge, (laughs) Kiki Palmer would be winning Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. Um, (laughs) Kiki Palmer's awesome in this movie. She's awesome in real life. And yeah, Nope, to me, there's as many great movies as there were this year, and there were a whole lot. No movie was as interesting, visually, storytelling-wise, as complex, as engaging as Nope. It's kind of like everything everywhere. There's just a lot of information thrown at you. And at the end, the movie just asks you to sit with it without really (laughs) offering a ton of concrete resolution. And I just loved that. (laughs) I thought it was awesome. Nice. I love Jordan Peele. And I love Nope. Um, It is in one of my other categories, so I'll wait. (laughs) We'll get your full thoughts on it later. Next, because there is a distinction, your favorite movie of the year. That is our next category. Best movie of the year, now your favorite movie of 2022. You start this one off. I start this one off. I went with The Fablemans. Um, and this is, I like went back and forth on whether or not I was going to put Fablemans or Nope as best and favorite mm. because I love both of these movies a lot. Um, more than any other movie that came out this year. These are my, I think these are both five stars for me on Letterboxd. And I like Fablemans, I love just because it, like, I felt really seen by it. It was about a little, like, it was about this really awkward kid who found a way to communicate his feelings and emotions through through film. And I don't know if that's really like me because I didn't make films like a young Steven Spielberg, but I, like, I find a lot of catharsis in film. I find a lot of catharsis in editing. And I just, everything in The Fablemans I thought was so artfully done and so touching and it really affected me in a deeply personal way. And I just, I love that movie so, so much. <laughs> and I can't wait to watch it again. 
I did not watch that movie, but I will. I bet you will love it. Very soon. <laughs> I really wanted to see it. Yeah, it was awesome. It lived up to whatever hype there was. I thought it even exceeded it. Going into the movie, I watched it in theaters with my mom. And I thought, like, this might be my favorite movie of the year. Wow. And then, but I was like, I, I kind of thought going into it, because I knew it was about, like, a kid who grew up and, like, loved film and saw the world through film, mm -hmm. which I feel like I relate to a lot. Um, <laughs> and, but I was like, I didn't want to get my hopes up too high, because I didn't want to be disappointed by it, and then it exceeded all my expectations. Like, I yeah. just loved it so much. Okay. My favorite movie was The Batman. Mm. I... Yes. Saw it multiple times in theater. I think I might have seen it three times. I definitely saw it twice. Um, I, like, went and watched it one night, and then the next day went and watched it again because I was like, there's no way what I saw was real. <laughs> I think it was my favorite because I went in with such low expectations because I despise Batman as a character. <laughs> I've never seen a Batman movie. I just... Like, the whole, the concept of Batman just annoys me, and I was like, mm, like, whatever. But I was like, you know what? You put Robert Pattinson, I'll give it a try. That's all I needed. Wow. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did, and I loved it. I love, like, dark, like, this is why Fight Club is one of my favorite movies. It's just, like, dark grungy little emo men just trudging around the city okay <laughs> one of my favorite movie categories and batman hit every single point um i think it just it's just amazing the vibes alone it was so long and i was never bored there were so many moments i like saw a scene it was just like mouth open looking at the screen like i wish i would have seen it in 3d it was just so fun the whole time. I love that movie so much. And not only because of Robert Pattinson, but he definitely helps. <laughs> yeah. The Batman, I think if you looked at Letterboxd, would be my number three behind Nope and Fablemans. Nice. It's awesome. It it's is my awesome. It was my, I watched it four times this year. I oh. watched it twice in theaters. Nice. I watched it once with my brother. And then I watched it again. Like, I got home one night and I heard like, the music from the Batman, I recognized it, mm -hmm. and so, like, my, it was like, oh, my parents are watching the Batman, I kind of, yes. so I went and watched, I came in, like, 20 <laughs> minutes into the Batman and watched the other, like, two and a half hours with them. Nice, the freaking, um, the Nirvana song, I, like, put it on my playlist, awesome. and it, like, pops up every now and then, and I'm just like, oh, I need to watch the Batman again. <laughs> it's, it's so good, it's oh. a really compelling detective story, but it's also yeah. a really great superhero movie, and it's, like, the emotions are there, the like character arcs are there. Robert Pattinson's great. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz is great. Um, I also hate action and superhero movies. And I was just so surprised I even liked it, and then I loved it, and I was like, I don't know how they did it. I don't know what they did to me to make me <laughs> love this so much. It was chemically engineered in a lab to Literally. make Morgan love superhero movies, yeah. and it worked. It did. Yeah, Batman, awesome, awesome movie. Me and my younger brother, we quote the penguin character all the time like, which part what's the matter sweetheart <laughs> how you doing <laughs> or when he's being courted by batman and he's like it's la la rata oh, well you God. never spoke you never take spanish before <laughs> what's the matter <laughs> like, world's greatest detectives <laughs> the colin farrell penguin is awesome it was very good um yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> great 
Batman's awesome. Great movie. I hope we get a sequel. Um, what is your pick for the worst movie of the year? Worst movie of the year. Thor Love and Thunder. Mm. I yes. hated that movie. I hate <laughs> that I went to the theater and saw that movie. I hate that that movie was created. It's bad. It was not funny. Yeah. It was all over the place. Yeah. It, like, I just... I watched this so long ago, and it was the only movie I looked at on 2022 list and, like, still got angry about. And I was like, that's the one. There's no way. It was right next to um, Doctor Strange. So... <laughs> it was a strong, it was a strong fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Easily it was fun, like... like but uh, no, it wasn't that fun, really. <laughs> no, it was so disappointing. Because yeah. I thought the previous, the Thor Ragnarok that Taika Waititi directed was one of the better Marvel movies. Yeah. As an MCU stan, like, I'm, I I was with them. I was like, okay, Taika's going to make another Thor movie. And then it sucked. <laughs> yeah. My least favorite part is I really liked the villain. Yeah. And visually, he was so cool. Yeah. And they did not use it to their advantage at all. And nothing yeah. makes me more mad watching a movie when it's like you have one really cool thing and then they just like forget about it because it's like yeah. Thor. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many weird parts, like Thor having like a love triangle with Natalie Portman and his hammer. Like, yeah. That, the screaming goats were so annoying. Yeah, the jokes were just not hitting. No. They, they, they didn't have the context to make the jokes work. Yeah. The jokes would have worked if they were in better context and in better timing, but it's like they threw them in because there wasn't enough, and then it just yeah. did, didn't work. I agree. It seems like the movie, like, whatever cool movie was in there was completely chopped up in editing and, like, shoved out as, like, an yeah. hour and a half yeah. comedy that just didn't work. Like, the action was not compelling. The jokes weren't funny. The acting wasn't great. It just all really fell flat. Yeah. I considered putting this as my worst movie of the year nice. i really did but at the end of the day i actually watched a movie that was worse than thor love and thunder and it was this movie called the bubble oh have you heard of this i have not no i'm gonna give a little rant for a second though. okay the bubble's a netflix movie directed by judd apatow like the guy who directed knocked up and um like all those those like 40 year old version like those understood kinds of understood so like <laughs> stupid comedies from the 2000s but this is a movie that seemed like right up my alley it's a movie about making the sixth installment in a fake dinosaur franchise during the pandemic so it's like you have a bunch of actors who come to live at this hotel and make this movie but they're all quarantined together and so it's like behind the scenes hollywood satire plus a lot of like act like karen gillen was in it pedro pascal keegan michael key um Kate McKinnon, a lot of actors that I really like, Fred Armisen, were, were in it. And so I remember seeing the trailer, thinking it looked funny. The premise seemed right up my alley. Like, any kind of Hollywood satire I love. Like, Andy Samberg's movie Pop Star, one of my favorite comedies. Nice. Um, and then it, like, it was two and a half hours long was the first problem. It is the least funny movie I've ever seen is oh, the second no. problem. It's, like, it's mean-spirited and awkward and weird. At one point in the movie... They just break and have a Beck song for two minutes. As they should. This sounds amazing. <laughs> um, Morgan, I, I don't, I don't even really know how to put into words actually how truly terrible this movie is because they're all the component parts for a good movie are there, 
and it's just not funny. Like I, it's just it's just not. I don't know what else to say. Like I love Karen Gillan, I love Pedro Pascal, and like neither of them get anything good to do in this movie. I don't know. I probably should have collected my thoughts a little more on why I dislike this movie so much. I just knew that it's the worst movie I watched. The, yeah, it's the worst movie I watched this year. Period. Probably I'm definitely the worst movie. That came so out this surprised year. I haven't heard of this. Yeah, it's a Netflix original. I think it just kind of got uh, dumped. Like, I saw the trailer on Twitter, probably, and was like, oh, it looks good. I'll watch that. And that's a whole terrible. other podcast. Like, so many movies just get thrown under things when they're on streaming services, and it makes me really sad. Yeah, I definitely want to do a podcast episode um, about that. Not necessarily <laughs> this one I missed out on, but... <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for a future podcast. Mm. I agree. Okay. The next category is Best Acting Performance. Yes. You want me to go ahead? Yeah, you go first. For my, my pick for best acting for the whole year is Kate Blanchett in Tar. And I know you haven't seen Tar yet, but... And so I'll try not to, like, give too much away, but oh my gosh. Yeah. Tar, if you don't know, is, like, a character study about Kate Blanchett, who plays a composer set in modern times named Lydia Tar, who is, like, the ultimate egomaniac. She is compo- She's about to be the first woman to compose at some major German orchestra, but she kind of can't stop getting her own way. She has a wife and a daughter, but she becomes obsessed with this young instrumentalist in her, like, orchestra, and this just, like, travels down a path of, like, continued destruction for herself. And throughout the whole movie, as we watch Kate Blanchett's character go from, like, the top of the world to the bottom, Kate Blanchett gives one of the, like, most unhinged yet controlled acting performances I've ever seen. Like, as crazy as the movie gets, Kate Blanchett <laughs> stays in complete control of the character and, like, lets you kind of hate her, but also lets you feel for her, lets you see her as crazy, but also, like, as so measured. Like, she's kind of inscrutable, but also she's, like, very knowable. It's, like, the wildest balancing <laughs> act of acting I've ever seen. And, yeah, Kate Blanchett was awesome in Tar. The only reason I didn't immediately go watch that movie is because I saw the trailer and it reminded me of Whiplash. And I just wasn't <laughs> mentally ready to watch a movie that was like Whiplash. It is kind of like a spiritual <laughs> successor to Whiplash for sure. Yeah. Um, set in the music industry. But yeah, I think if you haven't seen Tar and anything I said sounds interesting, you should watch Tar. It's a really excellent movie and Kate Blanchett gives one of the best performances. She's... I hope she wins the Oscar. As she always She's does. Awesome. As she always does. <laughs> um, but, like, this is another level of Kate Blanchett. Like, I'm, I'm serious. What she did in this movie was, like, just on another level of acting. Truly, like, one of the best. Okay. My best acting performance of 2022 is Daniel Radcliffe in Weird. Whoa! I did not love the movie. Okay. But I think he played the character so well and I love Daniel Radcliffe and I love him making weird movies and I feel like he connected to that character on a personal level that character is weird Al Yankovic <laughs> yes and I feel like he just I loved it so much I loved him playing that role more than I liked anything else in the movie I agree that movie was as much as I love weird Al Yankovic which is a good bit um, yeah the movie was the movie was kind of tough in parts. Yeah. <laughs> but his performance was so committed 
and really incredible. Yeah, I, I, I loved him in it. I love just seeing him in things in general. I just like him a lot. Um, I'm sure there were better technical things, but I don't know a whole lot about that. So I'm going to go with what I enjoyed <laughs> oh. the most, and that was Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that. Um, so, our okay, category number five, best horror movie. There were a lot of good horror movies this year. There were. And your favorite was? Nope. Nope. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Jordan Peele. I love that movie. I think I liked what it stood for more than how they came across the topic. Yeah. Um, like, I liked all the topics that it hit, but I think the reason it wasn't my, like, best movie was it was a little all over the place. Like, they chose three topics when they could have done one, and then it was just kind of... Yeah. It wasn't my favorite, right. <laughs> like, style of movie. Sure. Um, but I did really love it, and yeah. I saw a girl dress up as the cloud for Halloween, <laughs> and I thought about it for so long. I was like, that is so cool. It's such Jean a cool jacket. visual. It's such, like... It was very unique, and it also wasn't a horror movie, Yeah. which I think I was like going into it thinking it would be, and that yeah. probably um, hurt my opinions of it a little bit, but it was incredible, and I really loved it. Yeah. I think Nope had, for as many horror movies as there were this year, the most disturbing scene of the year oh my gosh. with the, the gorilla scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, like... I felt, like, violated watching that, yeah. that scene. It's rough. Um, it's it was really rough. rough. But, it, but it spoke to the larger themes of the movie in a yeah. really cool way. Yeah. It, like, it's scary. It's tense. And it's confusing. It has a lot of the things that horror movies need to have. And, yeah, I think it's fair. It didn't necessarily... I think it could have tackled any of the kind of three or four major ideas that it had and mm -hmm. still have been excellent. I kind of respected that it tackled them all in really interesting ways. That's true. Because it's kind of like... You know, you can have several different interpretations of this, and there and not there won't necessarily be a wrong one. That's true. It's a movie made to get you thinking and to get you talking, and I think I respect that. And that's I think that's why I think it's the best. Yeah. Um, but in terms of horror movie, it, it offers like all the things horror movies need to as well. I agree. Yeah. My pick for best horror movie of the year is Barbarian. Um, <laughs> when Barbarian came out, my one of my best friends, Paul who I also see a lot of movies with, texted me. He said, Joshua, you have to see Barbarian. Don't watch any of the trailers. Don't read <laughs> any reviews. Just go see it. He, and I was like, Paul, like, I'm like, no, this is just like, this is just some like stupid horror movie. Like, I don't care. Like, Paul was obsessed with Smile. He really wanted to go watch Smile. And I was like, Smile looks so stupid. And then he, and then, so he says all this about Smile and then says this about Barbarian. I did not believe him. Regardless, I gave in. I went to go watch Barbarian. I saw zero trailers. I read zero reviews. And I was blown away. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have not. I really want to. I, so I won't say anything much, but it's all I knew going into it is that it's about a woman who stays at an Airbnb yes. that is double booked. I did watch the trailer. Okay. <laughs> I know that much. So this is a young woman. She's in Detroit. Airbnb. It's double booked. And I promise... You do not know where it is going. It has maybe like the scene of the year, in my opinion. Um, it like like something crazy happens, and then it does like a quick cut to Justin Long in a car singing, 
And it, I like if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's one of the craziest <laughs> scenes in like any movie. But every like the escalation that this movie has mm-hmm. is truly unlike anything I've seen. And it's it's really scary and it's really intense and it's pretty disturbing. It does mm-hmm. it hits the things horror movies need to while also keeping me on my toes, keeping me excited, and just providing a really great, fun experience overall. Very satisfying by the end. All right, JD, what is your best movie theater experience of 2022? My best movie theater experience, I think, is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Nice. I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once with my friend Tori in Jacksonville. I didn't know much about this movie either, and neither did she. And I was just like, we didn't have anything to do that night. I was like... Let's just go watch everything everywhere. <laughs> Had again with like zero expectations other than hearing the good reviews mm-hmm. and like kind of like how I felt leaving Nope and Barbarian. I just was like so like physically overwhelmed by everything I had just seen, but at the same time I was completely blown away for all the reasons we talked about earlier. Yeah, the creativity, the execution, everything in this movie is so intentionally overwhelming then like it gives you the catharsis that you need at the end too um and seeing it in a theater on a huge screen like a, a, a an incredible experience and then yeah. talking about it afterwards with with like you know a friend i saw with and then another friend who had seen it earlier like having to explain what happened and unpack what you saw it was it was just incredible it was my favorite theater experience i think it was the best movie to see in a movie theater this year mm. even more than like you know avatar or something oh my <laughs> best movie theater i put avatar yeah it's an easy choice um i think i put it because it was i wouldn't watch it outside of the movie theater mm. okay and yeah. so that's why i put it um it's still beautiful and amazing and it's just crazy to see so much visual effects in a film for so long um and that's just like something you cannot feel at home so yeah that's fair it gets the gets the point for that one yeah like we said in our avatar podcast mm-hmm. if you want to see avatar you should see it in a theater yeah it's really yeah, not yeah. worth watching else. <laughs> everything everywhere is worth watching outside of the theater even though i think it's better in a theater i've seen it twice i watched it once in theaters and once at home mm. and i i thought it was better in the theater but avatar you're right. Yeah. Not even worth watching. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next, best sequel. Did you have one for that? Yes. So what is your pick? Um, well, my first question was if Glass Onion counted. And then I decided uh, to just go with a different one anyway. Okay. I went with Jurassic World. No way. I did. I wow. only chose it because I am impressed that it was better than the second one. <laughs> Okay, I love Jurassic Park, and I enjoyed the first Jurassic World, but then the second Jurassic World is so terrible, it, like, hurts my feelings, so I was, like, so hoping that the third one would be better, and then it was, and I think they didn't take it too seriously, it was fun. The effects were cool. The new dinosaurs were cool. I had a great time. That would almost be mes- best movie experience. Yeah? <laughs> because I just thought, like, it was 
original within the franchise, you know, as a sequel. Yeah. I would not say this if this was not the category, but it was original <laughs> in the sequel. The characters were fun. They brought the old characters back, you know, like a cop out, but we still fought for it. Yeah. And I just really, really liked some of the scenes they had, some of the new dinosaurs, just... It was really cool. There's like three yeah. specific action scenes with the new dinosaurs in that movie that I think was completely worth watching. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that the story in Jurassic World was pretty bad, but yeah. the action scenes made that movie worth seeing. Because the the, the ice like, one? Yeah. And then the exactly one in like the that. swamp, when it's in the trailer when her like eyes go under the water. Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, this is really cool. Like they were able to come up. I loved the like motorcycle chase scene in, in like yeah, Italy or whatever. There was a lot of really cool action. There was so much very creative and cool action. Like, I also I think, saw it right after Thor, so it probably yeah. <laughs> upped a little bit. Maybe a little bit. But I remember going to see like, because Jurassic Park is probably one of my 10 favorite movies mm. of all time. I love it so much. And so I was like, they got Sam Neill and Laura Dern to come back. <laughs> um, like, I'm probably the, the world's biggest Sam Neill fan. Um, nice. But, like, I... And so I was excited about it, and I agree. The action scenes were... It was better than the second one. Yep. The action scenes were really fantastic. The director, even though he is probably one of the worst, uh, like, story directors i've ever seen <laughs> is maybe one of the best action directors <laughs> that we have today that's fair that's fair um he should just go like direct a video game or something oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's i think that's where his calling is um <laughs> my pick for best sequel was glass onion yeah if, that's why i didn't choose um, it i was like i know jd's gonna choose this yeah, so i'll talk about some dinosaurs i considered top gun maverick um, but I didn't watch the first Top Gun until this year, and mm. then, like, so Top Gun Maverick the next day. And yeah. Top Gun Maverick was great, I, I think, but Glass Onion was better. <laughs> yeah. It was everything that was great about the first Knives Out. But again, um, Daniel Craig's awesome as Benoit Blanc. Uh, that southern accent is so stupid. I love it. <laughs> um, the mystery was compelling. The way that Ryan Johnson sort of took a mystery apart and put it back together again but in a different way than he did in Knives Out, I was mm. so impressed by. Because mm -hmm. in Knives Out, it's like we see like the murder happen at the beginning, and then it's kind of like a, a chase, you know, to find out, like, is he going to catch her? Did she actually kill him? And we find out she didn't. And in this movie, without giving spoilers away, it's like we see the murder happen, and then we go back in time, learn about a different murder, and like yeah. go back and see how all of these different things connect. It's like you take the murder mystery tropes that everyone knows, you like throw them all up in the air and then see where they land and like make a movie based off of that. It's yeah. so like, it's, it's so simple, but creative. And I loved it. I do get very stuck on not liking characters. Like I yeah. don't like watching movies with not likable characters generally, yeah. but he does it great. I love watching <laughs> them. I like watching them fail. I yes. like watching them interact with each other. It, it's just, he does it in such a fun way that it's so worth watching. I totally agree. Um, yeah. Like, you you kind of don't like any character except yeah. for um, Daniel Craig and Janelle Monae's character. Yeah. But it's still fun to watch them, even as much as they all suck. It was the same in the first movie. Yeah, but they're also not so 
unlikable that I think that's where I lose it is like some characters get so unlikable it's like I really don't care what happens to them yeah because there's they have enough stupid in them that you feel a little bad and then you yeah. really you still care enough that you, yeah. it's just he does it so well I agree he that was kind of one of my problems with Avatar 2 honestly was that like mm. I like I the villains were so terrible that I just hated to watch them yeah and that is part of what made me dislike that movie so much <laughs> but yeah like in Glass Onion like yeah, Edward Norton and Kate Hudson and Catherine yeah. Hahn, like they all kind of suck, but <laughs> in a fun way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a great sequel. I don't know if it was as, as good as Knives Out, but it followed up on it thematically, and uh, you know, and it took the murder mystery in like another new creative direction. Yeah. It was very. Good. I think I could watch thirty of those movies, and I would I, still be yeah. like, incredible, amazing. They did I agree. it again. <laughs> Just keep like putting famous people in a beautiful yeah. location and yeah. have Daniel Craig there solving a murder. <laughs> like I'm, I'm all about that. Yep. <laughs> okay, best visuals is next, and my pick for best visuals was The Northman. Ooh. Did you see The Northman? I did not, but I have seen a lot of the visuals, and they're incredible. The Northman was a good movie i don't know if it was a great movie but visually it i think is the like if not the best movie of the year one of them for sure um and i wanted a chance to talk about it here because this movie is brutal it is violent it's gory it's like got some really tough scenes to watch <laughs> yet the whole time the director robert eggers is the same with his two previous movies like his, his movies aren't necessarily fun to watch but they're visually rewarding mm. like there is beautiful imagery, like he captures Scandinavia gorgeously. Um, the action scenes, the costumes, everything is so like slightly removed from reality and really cool and unique. Um, and it's like it's well choreographed, it's well shot, cinematography's awesome, costumes awesome. Uh, like it's just a cool movie to look at. Is it heavy visual effects? Or I don't think so. I think mostly... it's pretty heavy practical effects. Okay, okay. Because it had a pretty big budget, I know, and a lot of I would believe that some of the you know some of the blood you see is, is visual, <laughs> but a lot of and there's this one particular like kind of like drug trip sequence maybe and it's gotcha. I'm sure a lot of uh, visual effects, but a lot of the fighting is it's it's visceral and it's brutal and I think it's all practical. Nice. Um, but like so in that sense it's impressive, but also just like color wise landscape wise mm -hmm. it's a visual treat it's the same like the witch and the lighthouse are the same way robert eggers other movies yeah, like, yeah they're they're awesome to look at like you feel kind of bad watching like you feel kind of sick watching them, but <laughs> it's visually rewarding and it's sick and it's sick it yes. is sick <laughs> i like sometimes like you need a movie to just make you like feel bad and and it's awesome like because the story it, it tells us worth and there's other things to make true, up for it true what was your pick for best visuals? All right, best visuals, we've got Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. There it is. <laughs> the visuals were incredible. I think, like, this was DreamWorks' comeback. It's been a while since I've seen something from DreamWorks, like, maybe since Kung Fu Panda 3. Granted, I haven't watched all of them since then, but that I, like, saw and was just blown away by how it looked. They tried way too hard for this movie. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what, like put a fire under their butts for this movie but it was so so good like overall as a movie the story was cute characters were great everything was great but the visuals like they're they go to so many different places in the movie and then the last one that they go to is very magical and very trippy and it is just done 
so well and it like there were multiple scenes that it was definitely like every single frame like mattered and you could tell it wasn't like there was just a background it was incredible there were so many times they were just like walking somewhere and I was like I feel like I'm watching the Lord of the Rings like this is just beautiful like how they're walking where they're walking what they're walking past like is telling this story and I loved it so much and I'm going to watch that movie 50 times in my life, I think. (laughs) I loved that movie. It's Puss in Boots colon The Last Wish. The Last Wish. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I I saw it in 3D too, and those visuals were... Pop? They were so good. The colors were so... Everything about it was good. I saw the, the, the like, Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. It has really good reviews. It was, like, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, there's no way... But I was like, I just have to see it because I just need to. Just And it was so worth it. I loved it so much. Okay. Beautiful. Man, I guess I got to... Puss yeah. in Boots. <laughs> I'll watch Puss in Boots. Um, I've, I've only seen the first Shrek movie. That's yeah. like a, one of, that's one of my big yeah. cinematic blind spots <laughs> is the Shrek franchise. But this, like, there's something so satisfying about a beautifully animated movie. Oh. I mean, you talk about anything Hayao Miyazaki's ever made. Yeah. Talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Like, yeah, this, like, had very, um, I mean, most animated movies since Spider-Verse came out has had the same kind of, like, yeah. comic book, 2D like the style. Mitchell's, like, Watch yes. That, yeah. um, which they should. I think my original uh, review of Spider-Man was, this is how animated movies are going to be made from now on. And that is yeah. exactly what happened, as they should. And it has been, it, like, this one does, like, a good mixture of, like, classic 3D DreamWorks-looking stuff and also... The 2D. It's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Some boots the last wish. <laughs> Our ninth category. Ooh. Best score. Best score of the year. Yes. What would you say? What movie had the best score? Okay. Well, my first question is, what is the difference between a score and a soundtrack? Because mm. I ask this all the time and nobody has the answer. And I think I've Googled it a few times and I never... So, a score is the, like... Like the the background music that's composed, like something okay, Hans Zimmer will make. That's and a what sound, I thought. And a soundtrack is like songs. songs. It's like an original, yes. like a musical. Like like La La Land has a soundtrack, which is the gotcha. original songs. But La La Land also has a score, which is like the music that goes in the yes, background. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's what I always say it is, and then everyone's like, "That's not true." And then I Google it, and I'm like, "Maybe you're right." Anyways, not important. That's my, I went with that's best soundtrack. Um, best sound, great. So, <laughs> um, we watched a movie called One Piece Film Red. Okay. Um, it's One Piece, the anime. It's yeah. a classic. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, they came out with a movie. I am not caught up on this anime because it's a million years long. Um, but there was a movie, and I was like not super excited to see it, but I was like, I'll go watch it. And the main character is a singer. Her powers is singing. And she, the whole movie, it's almost a musical, is she's like singing through this concert, and it's so interesting because it goes through like so many different kinds of music. So like mm-hmm. her first one is just like a pop classic and then she like gets really rock and then she like kind of screamos a little bit and then she like goes in this really soft piano song and it like that movie was made by its music and that's why I put it in that category. I okay. also do not pay attention to scores. Not that I don't pay attention. I do not notice scores when I'm watching movies. I have to yeah. go and listen to it to really um, appreciate it, and I did not do that. So 
we're gonna go with One Piece because that soundtrack is amazing and that yeah. girl sings great and it was just the funnest movie ever. That's a really cool answer. I'm yeah. so out on anime. I've seen a couple Miyazaki movies, but yeah, every time yeah. I've tried to watch like an anime series, I just can't get into it. Yeah. As you and as as <laughs> your husband fair. knows, as your husband has tried to convince <laughs> me to watch them before, um, but like it's it just doesn't it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. But that does well, sound really, really interesting. Like, pop music this is the one for you guys okay. that's fair yeah see i i the reason i put this category in there is because i i really do pay attention to film scores yeah. like, i love yeah. listening to film scores my favorite composer is michael giacchino mm-hmm. and so i went with the michael giacchino score i do really like him for the like Alexandre Desplat is another one of my favorites. Also one of my favorites, um, yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, this year, the Nope score by Michael Abels is mm. one of his probably, is, was my runner-up for this. Okay, but number okay. one had to be Michael Giacchino's Batman score. Nice. It's... I did listen to that one. Instantly iconic. So good. So compelling, so dynamic. Like, to the point where, like, the story I shared earlier in the podcast, I came home to my parents' house heard them watching <laughs> I, I knew they were watching the batman immediately because i heard the like the like the, the batman theme that i've listened yes. to so many times while i'm like like out like running or whatever and i like it like it was like it was like the bat signal like calling out to me like oh this is the michael giacchino score i have to go watch the rest of this movie with my parents right now yes. um it's i don't even know what to say like i just it's, it's, it's dynamic great. it's great it's great it was not shortlisted for the oscar and i'm i'm so upset Frankly, because I think Jashino should have won for this score. This is everything he does well. Um, yeah, it's creative. It's fun. Like that that new Batman theme is like already so iconic. Good. I feel like it's yeah, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, and they use something in the way. So kind of part of the soundtrack. Of the yeah, yeah, I argue yeah. that's the soundtrack, not the score. Um, but yeah, I that was the one soundtrack I actually went back and listened to or score. Um, just on my own time and I knew it was good because I was sitting and listening to it at work and I had to stop listening to it because it was putting me in like such a mood. Yes. And I'm like, that's how I know if a movie soundtrack like does it. It's like I'm listening to it and I can't help but get into the mindset of that movie. Yeah. So it was incredible. Okay. Morgan, we have one category left. Oh, last but not least. Last but not least. 2023. Sorry. 2022. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> saw the release of not one, not two, but three different Pinocchio film adaptations. And did you watch them all? No. <laughs> no, I did not. Um, I didn't either. But Morgan and I thought, because like, how many years are there going to be a best, like, a, a best Pinocchio category available? True. We might as well jump on it now. Yes. So because there were three different Pinocchios, there was the... Um, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro did a stop-motion animated Pinocchio. Yes. Robert Zemeckis did a live-action Pinocchio with Tom Hanks as mm-hmm. Geppetto. And there was that... Other one. Other one. <laughs> that we don't that we don't. Uh, if you didn't see it on Twitter, don't worry about it. Just straight to video <laughs> with the voice of an actor named Polly Shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. I watched the other two. Okay, great. And I have a pick for best Pinocchio. But first, I would love to hear yours. Okay, I think... Um... It's pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, Guillermo del Toro's. Guillermo del Toro's. It's um, my answer as well. <laughs> yeah. I refuse to watch a Disney remake of a movie that already exists. 
Um, Good principle. Morally. They're all terrible. <laughs> I just will not do it. <laughs> Every single one of them um, I appreciate what it does for the visual effects industry, but other than that, <laughs> they're so stupid and need to be stopped. Yeah. Um, the other one, for cultural significance alone, I would put it at number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it deserves it. How many YouTube videos were made? How many Twitter oh memes were made about that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is a little bit of a jokey category. But yeah. um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is, I think, actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Very well animated. Very heartfelt. Um, a lot of really great voice acting in that one, too. I thought the voice was... of Geppetto was great. Ewan McGregor was Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. That was great. It was pretty close for my um, best visuals. Yeah. Because... Gorgeous movie. The reason I didn't choose it is because I didn't think the visuals, like held up the story as well as Puss in Boots did. Yeah. But it does have incredible visuals. Animation is crazy. Um, it's just like I can't even think about how they do it. Yeah. <laughs> but so, it was great. It was great. With that, our 2022 year in review comes to an end. So Ooh. many great movies. Everything ever all at once. You know, Batman, Fablemans, um, Puss in Boots, One Piece Film Red. Like... <laughs> A lot of great, a lot of probably future classics this year. Mm. Um, it was a good year in movies. Oh, yeah. I think so. And uh, thank you for listening to us talk about this good year in movies. I hope that you'll return to future episodes of the No Notes podcast. Up next, we're going to talk about the upcoming year in movies, 2023. Mm-hmm. Some movies we're looking forward to there. And then I think we'll have some other fun topics for you in the works as well. For now, Morgan, where can people find you? Letterboxed. I always forget it right when I say this. Where can they find you? Uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at that other Joshua. Um, and yeah, that's, and I think um, I'm just going to continue to talk to fill time until Morgan. Oh, my letterbox is just my name, Morgan Woodward. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> So please, uh, you know, subscribe, um, follow us on Spotify, whatever it takes, follow us on Letterboxd, on Twitter, wherever, um, and yeah, leave us five stars if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, share this with all of your friends. Um, I hope that you enjoyed listening to us talk about this. I hope that you heard of some movies that you might like to go see or movies to avoid in the case of the live action Disney remake of Pinocchio. Um, yeah. I think this is another successful episode of No Notes, wouldn't you say? Amazing. Amazing. We'll see you guys next time. Farewell.